0: Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. I am so glad that I found Buzzsprout and was lucky enough to start with them. They've been so instrumental in helping me grow That Girl the Podcast. I love that I can look at my stats anytime, anywhere, and know exactly how I'm doing. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Chapter 4, Orbits Later that night, I pull up to a quaint Spanish-style house somewhere up in the hills from Sweetser. Cars line the tiny Model T Ford-sized streets that my oversized Jeep will never be the right fit for. A warm light shines from inside the house, and you can hear the hum of people chit-chatting away with their cold drinks in hand and their arms wrapped in leather jackets for warmth. Because it really does get cold here at night, in case you don't believe us. I see Ryan talking up a few people. He waves to me to come over and I squeeze by excusing myself through the non-recognizable celebrities that line this room. That's the nice thing about being a songwriter, is that you can have four billboard chart toppers, a Grammy or two, and no one would ever know the wiser if they saw you. Only the people that matter would know and those are the only people that matter. I give Ryan a hug and he introduces me to the people around him. I smile and shake their hands, hoping that maybe something might come from the introduction later. Tonight, a number of songwriters will be playing their favorite songs. They usually end up playing one of their hits, along with one other that you've never heard of. I always love hearing hit songs sung by the people that wrote them. There's a kind of raw honesty to hearing them come out of their creator's mouths. We all have one or two favorite songs we've written. I think it's a barometer to what really makes the writer tick. Usually, hit songs are not writers' favorites. They're usually the songs you find hidden on a record if they're lucky. But our truly favorite songs are usually the ones that never get cut. Someone dims the lights twice to alert us to find a seat and sit down for the first song. Ryan and I find a place. He offers me a seat on the couch, but I prefer to perch on the arm of it like a cat. I look once more around the room and say a little prayer that maybe some kind of music miracle can happen tonight. The first round of writers gets up to play. One by one, they strum their guitars or play the baby grand piano in the living room they're in. One writer in particular stands out to me. There's something kind about his presence. The song he chooses to sing is a beautiful country ballad, but nothing I've heard that's come out lately. I ask Ryan if he knows this guy. Ryan shrugs. Maybe he was a guest writer brought on to play tonight. The writers take a break, and the room gets up and begins to mingle again. I want to talk to him, so naturally. I go to the open bar, pick up a Jack and Diet, and wait for my liquid courage to kick in. He's surrounded by people telling him how amazing he is. I watch his toothy smile grin at them, almost like a TV host. No one should have such a perfect smile like that who isn't on TV. He catches my gaze, and I see why they can't stop staring. He's magnetic. When he looks at you, it's like you're the only person in the room. My nerves spike through my gut, and I quickly look down. He looks away and continues to talk to the small crowd around him. A person leaves from his orbit, and I find myself taking their spot. I take a sip of my drink as he puts out his hand to shake mine. I nearly choke and start coughing when I try to introduce myself. Wiping my cold hand on my jeans, I shake his, feeling even less prepared than before to make a good impression. But he doesn't seem to mind. He just giggles at me and tells me his name, which I'm not sure if I've ever heard, and have now definitely forgotten. I tell him how much I loved his song, and we shoot the shit about music, the industry, who he knows here, and who I know here. All the words, back and forth. I remember none of it. I tried desperately to get it together, but there's something I can't shake about this guy. It's like we've met before. I think I ask for his card. I think he takes my number, and I'm pretty sure he puts it into his phone. I think we talk about writing together in the near future, but I'm so starstruck it's hard to say. What I do remember is how he looked at me saying goodbye, as if that would be the first of many. Work the following week is shaping up to be a good one. Nothing too scary has happened, and it feels like smooth sailing until producers call for a last-minute change to a scene. As it turns out, a very famous male model from our parents' day that has adorned the cover of literally a hundred romance novels will be gracing our sets. Let's just say his name rhymes with... Mabio. The producers thought it would be great for ratings to include him in a scene with Danny. Danny could be his daughter, but this obviously doesn't matter to them. I wonder if they realize Mabio's heyday was long since past. But then I sigh and remember not to care about what the producers might think, because they're crazy too. Danny, Lexi, and I are having coffee in the makeup room and chatting when we hear loud footsteps fill the hallway. In through the door walks a tree. I mean, a man. I mean, a tree of a man. Mabio has arrived. He's huge. Like, literally gigantic. With his long, dirty blonde hair and leathery skin, he's actually quite handsome for a 75-year-old. We all look at him, much the way you'd look up at a T-Rex right before he's about to eat you, curious and terrified. But he's utterly sweet and charming, not at all the diva you'd expect him to be. I'm happily surprised that he's so nice, since I'm expecting he'll want a ton of body makeup, which I'm so looking forward to. He shakes our hands, introducing himself to everyone, but then stops at Lexi. He takes her hand, puts his other hand on top of hers, and holds it for a minute too long. In that moment, I swear I see his left eye sparkle. He smiles lovingly at her, and she instantly blushes. It's pretty clear that Lexi has become the lucky target for his bullseye. He greets her with the very unique opening line of, Hello. "'I'm Mabio,' taking his time to pronounce each syllable. She tries to pull away, but he holds her hand tightly, smiling at her. Her face begins to turn red, and we can't help but try desperately not to laugh. Of course Danny and I do nothing to diffuse the situation. It's too fun to watch. Lorena comes to the rescue and distracts Mabio to her direction, ushering him into the makeup room and away from us and away to her. Danny laughs and falls into her chair. You've got to be kidding me. Lexi shivers. What is it about totally random men liking me? I work on a soap opera. I don't want to date one. Lexi laments, crossing her arms across her chest. I laugh at her. (laughs) I don't know if you get a choice with that one. He seems to know what he likes. Lexi looks at us annoyed. I saw him walking down the hall earlier and I hid. Because you were afraid he was going to whisk you away? I say teasing. She throws her hands in the air. It's always guys like that that never get the hint, she huffs. I'm going to try to get someone else to do his hair. Good luck with that, I say. Just as the words come out of my mouth, I suddenly see him standing behind Lexi like a ninja. So stealthy, Mabio. So suave. He looks down at Lexi. Are you ready for me? He says in a low, sexy voice. Lexi stares up at him nervously like a mouse about to be eaten. For what? She says. A small smile creeps up on his lips. To do me? He says. Lexi stands silent, desperately racking her brain for what to say to that. The clock loudly ticks the seconds away and echoes into the room. Finally, she understands and gasps. Oh, to do your hair, she realizes. Oh, of course. (laughs) Yes, sit, sit right here. She shuffles him into her chair, glances at us, and mouths, What the fuck? Mabio is smitten with Lexi and insists on giving her his number, but not without getting hers. She's still horrified at the experience, but what can she do? Her orbit is off. Somewhere along the lines of her life, she got off at the wrong exit and has been circling around trying to find the on-ramp ever since. We've all become so picky, and I'm not just talking about women here. Everyone has become so obsessed with the bigger, better deal that none of us can see what might be right in front of us. Something good that might be right in front of us. We have an idea of what we want, what we're willing to wait for. A fantasy that usually never comes true. And the people that it comes true for never wanted it to begin with. Real love seems hopeless. But fantasy love? (laughs) Well, that's in high demand here. The unrequited love. The affair. The the friend with benefits you're hoping will turn into a real relationship, all of it is up for grabs. We all have the chance to be happy, but sometimes the happiness we have has gotten stale and suddenly we think, I'm not happy, I should leave them. And then you do. And then you end up in the constant turnstile that is dating in LA. We can all get off our orbits, and we can all keep missing the exit sign to a new neighborhood that isn't East LA, but maybe somewhere in the valley that may actually hold you happily ever after, if you could ever wrap your head around living in the valley, the choice is yours, and you always have a choice. I think so many people could be happy here if they could only accept who they actually are and stop making themselves out to be someone they want to be. And then there are some people who are actually better alone, because being in an actual relationship requires real work. And if you're not down for that 24-7 and you like things your way, then you should definitely not be in a relationship. Keep on dating. You'll never run out of people here. That's definitely its own orbit, and it's a powerful one. The problem is, too many people who could be happy in a relationship get pulled into that single orbit, and the cycle continues. They start to believe that's their orbit, like Lexi. The whole, I don't need a man thing is bullshit. Sure, you don't need one. But don't kid yourself. Most of you would like one. And there's nothing wrong with wanting companionship for the rest of your life if you're lucky enough to find it. As for where my orbit is, I think I'm somewhere in deep space. Hey guys, did you know that for $5 a month, you can help support That Girl the Podcast on our new Patreon page? You'll get access to bonus podcast episodes only seen on Patreon, bonus footage on current episodes, Q&As, and everyone's favorite, loopers. And so much more. Because That Girl doesn't have sponsors, you'd be our sponsor. With $5 a month, you can help me keep making the podcast. To sign up, go to patreon.com forward slash thatgirlthepodcast.